Welcome to the Central Christian Church Message Podcast. We are passionate about leading people to discover and fully own faith in Jesus. It is our desire that the following message inspires you to take your next steps in your own faith. Let's dive in. want working on my sleigh tonight. Really? Really? I made my family disappear. <laughs> I, I, I must stress myself so much to do. I must lose any time. Every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. That's right. Good evening, and I'm so glad that you're here. And uh, it's hard to believe that Christmas is almost here. Uh, we'll start our Christmas services next Thursday night and begin from that point on through the weekend. And I just want to say this. It is a, a tremendous opportunity to invite somebody to come to church with you. And uh, we've been working on the Christmas program. I just will promise you it's going to be really, really something special. And uh, I want to encourage you to not waste the opportunity you know, if uh, you've taken seriously the person that you put on the name on that bulb and you've been praying for them, I just want to challenge you, do not, do not, do not fail to follow up by a personal invitation from you to come to church. And you never know what God's doing. And you, you'll, you'll be surprised how much God has been working in people's hearts. And so I just want to encourage you to put that in your head and get ready for it. Okay, please open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, we're going to be there in just half a moment. Um, so, so far in our Christmas series, we've talked about Mary, and we talked about the fact that um, this angel appears to Mary and tells her what's about to happen, and we've been talking about the price that Mary's going to pay uh, with her name and her reputation, and so we dealt with that two weeks ago, and yet she maintained joy in her heart. And then last week, we talked about Joseph, the other part of that equation, and how difficult that would have been to hear the news and uh, how um, alone you would feel if uh, that were you and no one to talk to, no one to say, hey, can you help me? You know, what, when this happened to you, how did you deal with it? And today we're going to get to uh, a third very important player in this whole story. And uh, that's going to be uh, a, well, a guy named Herod. Well, I'm going to tell you what happens next, okay? Because at this point, what's going to happen, we're going to meet a villain because there's a villain in the story of the birth of Christ. And I don't know if you've ever really seen it. So let me show it to you. Matthew chapter 2. I'm just going to read the Bible from verses 1 to 18. And I'll just read this and comment a little bit. So after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. Now we're not talking about the future. We're talking about the present. He's born, okay. Um, <clears throat> during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, where, where was the Christ to be born? Well, in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be shepherd of my people Israel. When then Herod called the Magi secretly 
and he found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed on coming to the house. They saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. And then they opened up their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and incense and of myrrh. And, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country uh, by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, and take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. He gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. When what was, <clears throat> then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled, a voice is heard in Ramah weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Now, I've got to show you just a couple of things before we move on. We could park on this for days. There is so much in here that we could talk about. I don't, uh, I don't have days to park here, so let me just give you a couple of things to consider. Herod was known as the king of the Jews. This was a title that he very proudly wore. It was given to him literally by the powers that be that were Rome. He was given the title king of the Jews. He was the chief occupier of the land in the day, if you would, and they... They, uh, they knew he was not to be messed. He was large and in charge. It's what you need to understand about Herod. He was a force to be reckoned with. So the Magi appear and they ask a simple question. Where is the baby born king of the Jews? And you've got to understand that's his title given to him by Rome. And immediately he hears that and his ears, you know, kind of pick up. They've come a great distance to worship this new king. And they've got gifts that... He can see very quickly, very easily, assess great value. And uh, <clears throat> very quickly, he just goes, um, this baby born king of Jews is a threat, and I'm going to eliminate him. And that's what's going on in this story. Now, here's just something I need you to understand, which, again, there's so much history recorded about this guy, Herod. Let me just give you a little kind of a quick backdrop. He is a heartless tyrant. And when it says all Jerusalem was disturbed, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. The reason all Jerusalem was disturbed is because they knew when Herod is upset, heads are going to roll. He had demonstrated this many times. He did not care who he killed. And history just tells us he, he killed three of his own sons. He killed two of his own wives. He killed one of his uh, mother-in-laws. He just executed them. A heartless, ruthless man. And uh, he's not the least bit interested in what these men have come for, these magi from the east. He just needs to find out what they know so he can find out who they're looking for so that he can have that person killed. It's not about worship. It's about elimination. It's about how to bring an end to the Christmas story that we celebrate every year. He's got to find a way to close it out. 
So he interviews the religious leaders, the magi, and he says, when, when did this star first appear? Where, where, did you, where did you see it? Where were you going? Uh, please, make careful search for the child, and then let me know so I can worship. It's all a ruse. No intention whatsoever. So what happens is God warns them what he's up to. He finds out they're not coming back, that he can't get the information from them. He is furious. And he is now going to go on a rampage. I'm going to eliminate this baby at any cost. Let me stop here and just pause and ask you simply, what's your reaction when you hear that story? When you hear about Herod and you hear about that, what, does it do anything inside of you? Does it create anxiety at all? Does it in any way, do you, can you, can you find yourself? You know, they, have, they, have, they arrive and they ask, where's the baby born king of the Jews? And nobody is the least bit concerned. They're, nobody's talking about the baby that's born. They're just totally apathetic and totally indifferent. Is that, would that kind of sum it up? Like it's Christmas, who cares? I mean, it's a, uh, you know, See, it's one thing to read about the Christmas story, but you're in the Christmas story. And we've talked in this series about how easy it is to just go, can we just get this over with so we can get to January, go back to work and rest? So it's not so much to do. <clears throat> does it put a smile on your face or does it agitate you? Does it bring you joy or would you say you're more or less indifferent? Does it cause you to draw near to God in adoration or does it tend to make you go, can we seriously get beyond this? So... Against that backdrop, we're going to continue our series at the movies, Christmas at the movies. And uh, you might be wondering, and, and nobody's actually said this to me, which I'm surprised by and happy about, why are we doing at the movies? Because anytime you show movies in church, there's this reaction like, well, can we get to the really serious stuff? Can we not? Why would you show at the movies? And let me help you to just wrestle with this for just a moment. Here's what I need you to understand. Movies tell stories. Movies tell stories. And movies capture our imagination. Jesus told stories. A man had two sons, an older one and a younger one. And the older one, a man was going down on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers and told a story. Stories do something to us. They stick out in our minds. One of the very best ways of communicating truth is to tell a story. Hollywood has figured this out. One of the best ways to teach a truth is tell a story. Jesus knew that. So Jesus told stories. So what are Christmas movies? Stories. Stories that we can listen to, think about, relate to, and learn from. So today our story that we're continuing in the series is one of my all-time favorites, A Christmas Carol. That's the story we're going to talk about today. This story has been told and retold so many different times. Um, it's written by the British author, as you know, Charles Dickens. It was written in the mid-1800s, and uh, it's about a cold-hearted, cutthroated businessman, a miserly, greedy, heartless man who has no compassion for anyone anyone's hurting or anyone's suffering and he sees people as simply somebody to exploit for his own advantage now the story addresses a fundamental question 
that is extremely relevant to this very day. And it's this critical question. Can people change? Can people change? Can a bad person become a good person? Can it really happen? Well, if it could, what would it take to cause a bad person to actually become a good person? Now, this story of A Christmas Carol is so incredibly relevant. It has been told through movies and stage. It's been told through cartoons, through musicals, operas. There's even a mime presentation of this story. It's absolutely one of the most loved Christmas stories ever. It's a little bit of interesting trivia that Charles Dickens had to self-publish this thing because publishers said nobody would be interested in hearing a Christmas story much less buying a book that has a story told in it. So I just want to say, are you kidding? So what makes it really difficult is when it comes time for us to show a Christmas carol, the question is, which version are you going to show? The first version, first film version, was made back in 1901. Should we show that one? You can literally go back to silent versions of a Christmas carol. It's estimated that there's over 200 film versions of this movie, and I'm not sure what version comes to your mind. What, you know, version, like when you hear a Christmas carol and you think we're going to show you, like, which one do you think we're going to show? Well, <clears throat> I'm going to go on record and say for our family, there's only one version. There's only one version. It's the very best version. And uh, it's the Muppets <laughs> Christmas carol. I don't know if you know that there's any others. I don't think there are. As I've told you, we have shown this. We, we have a date Saturday night with our family coming up. Uh, I think a week from Saturday. But uh, we get together every year. We have done this for 30 plus years, decades. Uh, it's, it's a tradition in our home. And, and we sing along. And we, I, I know this story really, really well from this. Why this one means so much to us is, of course, the Muppets but the actor Michael Caine plays Scrooge, nobody, and I've watched so many versions of this, nobody plays a better Scrooge than Michael Caine. And so it's going to be the Muppets. So I'm going to assume for our time together that you know the storyline. I'm not going to walk you through all of that. Scrooge simply hates the celebration of Christmas. And through the course of the movie, he's visited. Now, this is something that might throw you. He's visited by four spirits. You know is three spirits. There's four spirits. The first visit comes um, by Marley, his business partner who died. And then there's a visit by the ghost of Christmas past, the spirit of Christmas past, the spirit of Christmas present, and then the spirit of Christmas future. Now, I'm going to apologize up front for showing you so much of this movie. I've been trying to show you little clips. I'm telling you, I worked so hard to edit this down. I've had other people on my staff sit down with me. We tried to cut it down. This is reduced to as close as the bare minimum as I can get, and it's a little bit more, so I'm not going to talk so much tonight. We're going to watch a Christmas carol as uh, only Hollywood could tell it. So here it is. Here's, we're going to start with the main character. I need you to meet Scrooge. Watch this. Well, now we know what kind of a man we're dealing with, this guy named Scrooge, and um, what's going to happen next is he's going to go home and uh, he's going to be encountered by the spirit of his past business partner 
And uh, I'm not going to show you that clip. Uh, not uh, in any version is it anything but frightening. And so uh, for the sake of, you know, I don't care to scare people or scare kids among us. What you have to understand is that Marley, his business partner, has died. And um, he's, he's coming back to talk to uh, Scrooge. And he's coming back to warn him about what's facing him. And uh, he's deeply regretful for the way that he lived his life. And he's trying to turn Scrooge's, uh, Scrooge's life around. So because I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't, like, I don't, I don't want to scare you, but I want you to get the impression of what's happening is Marley is wrapped in chains. He's, he's, chains bind him everywhere, all around him. And what, he, what he's got is he's got his treasure attached to the chain, and he's dragging his treasure. His, it's a safe. And all of his money and all that, that he exploited people for. And so... I want you to get the sound of the chains. I want you to imagine the chains, but I'm not going to show you the scene uh, because, again, for the reasons I just said, I do want to show you his words that he said to Scrooge. He said these words, I wear the chains I forged in life, and hear me, I come tonight to warn you that you have one chance of escaping my fate. One chance. Do you think the Magi presented to Herod a chance at a different fate, a possibility of a different life? And Jesus said it this way, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? You've got everything the world has, but you have nothing beyond this world. So as the story progresses, Scrooge is visited by two more spirits. The first is the spirit of Christmas past. And it's here we discover how Scrooge became Scrooge and how his problems with his family and his past, whatnot. And the second spirit visits him, and that's the spirit of Christmas present. And then in this scene, we start to understand just how resented Scrooge actually is. It's also in this scene, though, that we, we meet a, a little guy that's just crucial to the story. It's this little guy named Tiny Tim. And Tiny Tim's just a wonderful little child, and he is the son of Bob Cratchit, his clerk. Um, but the problem with Tiny Tim is he's ill, and he's gravely ill, he's getting worse. And you know that there's a clock ticking because little Tiny Tim's sickness is getting the best of him. And so I want to show you just a little bit of how he sees Tiny Tim, and this is an important pivot in the movie. Watch this. Seeing Tiny Tim suffering causes something to break inside of Scrooge. His heart begins to grow a little bit. Wait, that's a different green furry. <laughs> you get the idea. And uh, Tiny Tim just literally captures his. Well, now it's time for the last spirit. And uh, this is the one from Christmas Future. And uh, this is where we get a glimpse at what Scrooge's life actually amounted to. It, it's... Uh, it's a really sad scene. He's heartbroken over it because there's going to come a day of accounting. It's going to come a day where all the things you do get added, they, they catch up with you. And it's catching up with him in this scene. 
Um, you know, Scripture tells us a man reaps what he sows, and Scrooge is going to experience what he's sown. I want to just, before we move on, I, I need to make sure that you make a very important connection right here to understand where this is going to go. Um, the easiest way I can describe this is this. Stories are just a series of moments linked together. A chain is one link attached to another link, attached to another link, attached to another link. That's what makes up a chain. A life is made up of one moment at a time attached to another moment in time. Let me say it to you this way. Each of our lives is a series of moments, a series of choices, a series of decisions all connected together. So the last scene, uh, that the, the last thing the, Christmas, uh, the spirit of Christmas future does is take Scrooge to a graveyard. It, it's a really scary scene. And in some versions of this, I mean, it's just downright chilling. But he gets a glimpse into what it all adds up to for him. He's, he's experiencing one of the worst regrets any human can ever experience, you, me, any of us. And it's this emotion of regret that you've just really done it wrong and it's going to catch up with you and it starts to catch up. So let me take you to this scene. So he's given a chance to live a different life and he wastes no time getting about that. And then comes the finale. It's my favorite part of this movie. I, uh, I absolutely love watching this. He, he's got the prized turkey. He gets some groceries. He, he's got a, uh, he kind of gathers up a crowd and he goes to visit the house of his uh, employee, Bob Cratchit. Best scene in the movie. Watch this. So uh, let me wrap this up with uh, going back to the question, can a person actually change? I'm going to go on record to say this, on your own, hmm, probably doubtful. The, The problem with so many of us is we have made bad decisions. And the decisions that we made with our life begin to overwhelm our lives. And we, we find ourselves choice by choice and moment by moment, we're, we're just tangled up in, in so, so much. I didn't mean to form that addiction. I didn't mean to I didn't mean to become so anxious and I didn't want to be so depressed. I didn't know what it was going to lead to when I did that. I, I know I compromised my health by the choices I've made, but I just, I just, I want so badly to be set free. I didn't realize when I did that, it would do that to my marriage. And I, I just, I want to be set free. See, this is the great news of this movie is if you really do want to be set free, God is up to it. And God 
is in the heart-changing business. I want to read a couple of verses to you. Ezekiel 36, 26, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Second Corinthians. the mic. Yeah, if you can't hear me here, let's go with that mic. Here we go. So uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Can God, this is the critical question, can God change anyone's heart? Can God change your heart? And folks, the answer is an overwhelming Yes. Close with the big idea of this message is simply this. If you're still alive, it's not too late to let Christ change you for the better. John 8.36, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. What an incredible Christmas story. This freedom is why Jesus came to this earth for you. Let's pray. So, Father, thank you for the movie. Thank you for the process it causes us to go through, to think through our own decisions, our own choices, our own chains that we form in our lives. God, thank you for coming to set us free. We're not going to be able to just do this on our own, but God, in you, miracles can happen. We can literally be released from things that have held us in bondage for so long. We can have a different future. We're not just going to be at the summation of our past. We can set a different course. And God, we can be people we've never thought possible by just trusting you and, and, and asking you to set us free. So Lord, I pray for each individual here that you would cause them to think deeply about their own life, and the decisions and the choices and the moments that all link together to form the chain that's either going to set them free or hold them down. God, may uh, we make the right call here. And we pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our hope is that you are left inspired and challenged to continue to grow in your faith. If you are looking for more from Central, follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. See you next time. Until then, go be the church.